Hello, everyone, and welcome to IPA's Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast. My name is Casey Fisak. Today, we're going to tell you what action the board took at today's meeting, why they took that action, and how it affects your practice. As always, I am joined by Sue Mears from the Board of Pharmacy. Thank you for joining, Sue. No problem. Not a whole lot of uh, rules to discuss on the agenda today, but I think we've got some important updates that'll uh, definitely be good to know as we move into the summer here for items that uh, will definitely be important to your practice. So I think I might just start quickly with some notes from Andrew's executive director report, specifically on some new appointments or transitions on the board. Uh, Eric Mackey, Dr. Eric Mackey from Drake University was appointed to fill uh, Jason Hansel's seat, the former chair. So Eric had his first meeting yesterday, but there's still an open seat uh, with Ed McKenna's departure. So uh, there's some discussion on getting that seat filled. So maybe a new appointment fairly soon, but uh, just some some new faces uh, on the Board of Pharmacy, but certainly appreciate all the work that Jason did uh, with the board and, and will be missed for sure. Uh, I think, Sue, the next item uh, after that quick note, now that we're getting close to the end of legislative session here, finally, although it, as of today, it's still dragging on with some budget work, um, but good news to report uh, on the pharmacy front from both the board's perspective and IPA. So I might uh, hand it over to you to give an update on the board's legislation and where that stands. Yeah, it has been a great session for the pharmacy world. Um, For the board's two bills, they both were um, passed by both chambers and have now both been signed by the governor. So the board had their annual controlled substances bill, which permanently schedules items that had been temporarily scheduled uh, throughout the year. And that action always follows what DEA's actions are at the federal level. Um, And then for the pharmacy bill, um, House File 514, that has a few provisions that will be, I think, super helpful uh, for pharmacies and and for the board. Uh, So a big one is removing the limitation of the tech trainee um, registration to only one year. Uh, So the board will be looking at that in the coming months to figure out how they want to Um, change the rules um, to allow a potential renewal of a tech trainee registration. Um, I think the, you know, the intent is still that technicians are getting uh, certified within that year, um, but recognizing that there are sometimes extenuating circumstances that people have um, that, you know, maybe need that flexibility to have additional time. Uh, So more will come on that in the coming months. Um, It requires or allows the board to require Um, an outsourcing facility have an inspection within the last two years um, prior to application. Um, So that'll help provide that needed oversight of those facilities in other states wanting to ship into Iowa. It'll allow the board to share compounding data um, from Iowa pharmacies uh, with FDA that um, looking towards a potential signing of the FDA MOU relating to compounding oversight. Um, So that would allow the board to share that data with um, FDA via NABP through an information sharing network. Um, And then it also puts into code uh, the authority to authorize pilot demonstration research projects. The authority had been there, it's just in random Iowa acts and edited here and there. So this gives it an actual code um, provision that's um, a little bit easier to find. So 
that's um, an easier thing. The, the authority is still there, but makes it a little bit easier than to promulgate rules too when you have a code section to, um, to reference. So that's it for the board's bill, I think the highlights. Great, and I think you mentioned already that that was signed by the governor already. Correct. Yep. Um, yeah. So effective date July 1st, but obviously rules likely needed for uh, most of that bill, I would imagine. Correct. Yeah, so I know it was mentioned, but uh, that's kind of where the, the fun begins, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, that is certainly great news and glad to see uh, the board's bill, both bills passed this year, but uh, obviously the policy bill had some important pieces in it. So happy to see that go through. IPA's bill, uh, a few weeks after the board's bill, I think got through, also passed. Um, that bill allows for testing and treating for flu, strep, and COVID, and then also establishes collaborative practice language in the code. Now, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it's just an interesting situation in Iowa that uh, there existed Board of Pharmacy rules and Board of Medicine rules, actually, in collaboration uh, that allowed for collaborative practice agreements between pharmacists and physicians, but nothing existed in the code. So it's, it's kind of been a three-year journey to establish language in the code. Uh, finally got done this year in that bill, um, but it also makes some steps forward in collaborative practice, I'd say, to allow for um, a pharmacist to enter into a CPA with any prescriber um, to treat um, essentially any patient population. So uh, the board, uh, we did include a little directive in there for the board to create rules. So just putting more work on Sue, but. Yep, thanks uh, for that. <laughs> it's a good thing though, Sue. Oh, um, okay. But that, uh, that bill should be signed soon. We requested a bill signing actually. So I think that's what we're just waiting on the scheduling, but two great pieces to go, go through and uh, will both help move the practice of pharmacy forward in the state of Iowa. So like Sue said, definitely a good session so far. Uh, got some budget work left to do um, with the health and human services budget, but for the most part, all the policy bills are done. So this could be the last session update for the podcast, but the rule saga will go on. So I, I certainly think we'll have more to talk about here as, as those uh, bills are enacted. Like I said, Sue, not a whole lot for rules. So this might only take a minute or two, but if you want to hit quickly on the one uh, rule that the board voted to adopt yesterday, I think only one, right? I have that correct. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Well, I, I we'd love to hear at least for the, the one rule, the action the board took yesterday. Yeah, so the board voted to adopt um, rulemaking that will amend multiple chapters. And this rulemaking for the most part implements the professional licensure bill that went through the legislature last session. Um, and, and then it also has a couple other pieces that the board had separately been um, looking to, to change in the rules. Um, so as far as the, uh, the pieces from the professional licensure bill, this rulemaking allows a, um, the issuance of a temporary pharmacist license for a pharmacist license transfer candidate who has met all other licensing requirements, um, but just waiting to take that law exam. So they could get a temporary three-month pharmacist license so they could get started working and practicing while they're preparing for and taking their law exam. And then it could be 
uh, renewed one time. So a total of six months that they could um, be licensed and practicing as a pharmacist while they're waiting to take that law exam. Um, it removes the term spouse from chapter 33 since that portion of the code got repealed in the bill. Um, it add, we're adding a new chapter 31 that specifies how and when the board will use a criminal conviction in a licensing decision or disciplinary decision. And then the, the next two pieces are the pieces that are not part of the professional licensure bill. They were just separate things that the board was looking at doing. Um, and again, relating to those license transfer candidates, it would allow that person to license transfer based on just any current and active pharmacist license that they have in any state. It wouldn't require them going back and using their original license by examination to transfer, which of course, if you know somebody got licensed 20 years ago in a state and they let that license lapse, and they've moved on, then you know, our rule had required that they go back to that original license, mm -hmm. get it reactivated, and you know, it could be great expense and difficulty um, for right. them to do that. So um, that's something that they um, are agreeing to change, which a lot of other states have changed. Um, and that also would require a pharmacist who is seeking reactivation of their pharmacist license be subject to um, a criminal history background check. So We'll get those filed. Um, I think we're looking to have that published um, in the July 14th publication. So then the, the rules would be effective 35 days after that date of publication. Okay. Yeah. So around August. Yeah. Yep. Latter part of August. So it sounds like this is part of the larger push to remove those barriers to entry. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I know that was not just limited to the pharmacy board, but you mentioned that legislation last year. Um, yeah. That was uh, part of the governor's initiative. So yeah, good to see those those come into practice here very soon, and we'll definitely watch for those updated rules uh, come July and August. Yep. Sounds good. Sue, do you maybe quickly want to touch on? Um, for those listening who may not be familiar, I know it can get confusing sometimes. So obviously Iowa has statewide protocols now that the board develops. Um, and you know, when we hit the legislative update, test and treat is actually underneath the statewide protocols chapter, but our existing statewide protocols include naloxone, nicotine replacement and immunization. So um, the board is tasked with crafting those. And on yesterday's agenda were some updated protocols. Would that be the correct phrasing, I guess you could say? Well, what, what I asked the board to do yesterday was review their existing protocols and um, direct me to make any changes that they feel are necessary gotcha. since they last looked at them a year ago or a little over a year ago. Yeah. Um, and so there were some recommended or possible um, changes that were provided to them. Um, they approved of those um, conditionally, um, assuming Dr. Padati over at Public Health is agreeable. Um, and then they also made a recommended change in the, um, the nicotine replacement. So what will happen next is I will draft kind of a red line um, draft of updated 
statewide protocols based on what they asked for. I will take those to Dr. Padati and um, get her consensus. Um, and if she agrees with those, then I'll bring those back to the board at hopefully the July meeting uh, for an official vote um, to update those. Gotcha, okay, that makes sense. Um, and, and definitely helpful and just important too, if there's pharmacists that may not be familiar with the statewide protocols, essentially they allow you to be the prescriber when it comes to those items I listed. So naloxone, nicotine replacement, immunizations. Um, if you follow the board's protocol and the steps laid out, then you can order and administer um, those items. So uh, definitely an opportunity uh, for practice and a useful tool, but also important to note, and this might be a good transition, for immunizations, the previous immunization law is finally set to sunset um, in June. And uh, what that means is the previous local protocol law that would have allowed, and Sue, correct me if my phrasing gets off, that allowed a, a pharmacist to enter into an agreement um, with the local provider to provide those immunizations. Now the pharmacist is tasked with being really the sole prescriber of immunizations um, underneath the statewide protocol law. And so when that local protocol law sunsets, really the only option that will exist in the code, uh, the sole option, uh, will be underneath the board statewide protocol um, for immunizations. Right, yeah. So that, that option of a physician sign protocol or yeah, local prescriber protocol, yeah, that code authority will expire June 30th. And so outside of the board's statewide protocol, um, the only other option would be an individual patient specific prescription for an immunization from a prescriber. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I just, uh, I know we've been trying to get the word out as much as possible, but it doesn't hurt to put it out there one more time um, before June comes. Yep. Um, another important date as well, and this is more recent, um, Sue, maybe I'd let you explain it, but we talked about it previously, I think, um, for the adoption and filing, but the board's, um, one of the recent rules that will require technicians and support persons to register prior to commencing work. Yes. Yep. The board had adopted that um, and the rulemaking became effective yesterday. Sorry about that. Um, That's why we do it live. <laughs> had worse interruptions. The overall rulemaking is, was effective yesterday, but um, the components of the rulemaking that require um, technicians and and PSPs to be registered prior to starting work in the pharmacy. That piece won't be effective until July 1. So that gives pharmacies a little bit more time um, to get prepared for that. Um, so when you know pharmacy is gonna hire a new tech or a PSP, that person will need to have an active board registration before they set foot in that pharmacy to start working on day one. Um, so until then, you know, that, that 30 day grace period still um, exists right now, um, but come July 1, they'll have to have that registration before they start. And the board's online application processes for all of those registrations is, is up, it's active, it's functioning. Um, so getting a registration, if they, have all the rec if they have all the documentation that's required, it's something that can be done in a matter of minutes. So 
um, the board feels like there's no reason why they can't be registered before they start working in the pharmacy. Yeah, that that's what I remember the discussion really centering on when there was some, I know, concern about potential delays and getting people into train is now that those processes are up and running and sounds like they're going fairly smooth, it should present really a no major barrier into the transition time from beginning employment or getting into train. So yeah. glad to hear those are up and running. Really, I think only one more important day and there's, there's um, sort of, those are all three big ones, but the third one that I think is especially helpful because it's effective uh, as of yesterday or today, Sue. So um, do you maybe want to talk a little bit about uh, the C5 reporting under the, the PMP that's not required? Yep. Yeah. So this is another rulemaking that the board had adopted and it became effective yesterday. Um, this was in, in following up from the board's PMP bill from last session in 2020, um, but it requires the reporting of the dispensing of all Schedule 5 controlled substances. And that also includes those over-the-counter sales of codeine containing cough syrups that are sold um, behind the counter that the pharmacist is essentially um, authorizing that sale. Those also have to be reported to the PMP. Um, and then the pharmacist in those situations of those over-the-counter sales of those C5s, the pharmacist is also now required to check the PMP uh, for that individual prior to making that sale and authorizing that sale. Um, so yeah, that became effective yesterday. Great. Well, that uh, was certainly, I think, uh, although there wasn't a lot of uh, rules adopted yesterday, plenty of helpful information for everyone that's tuning into the podcast. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to myself or Sue for any information. I, I think we're always both happy to help um, when there's any questions or the need for further information. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Sue, it looks like the next meeting is in uh, July, July 13th and 14th. Is that? Yep. Yep. That's what I have. So we'll look forward to uh, talking again then. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you're not aware, uh, IPA did update our um, law manual to uh, an online platform called the Law and Information Resource Center that uh, has a regulatory tracker to, to help pharmacists and technicians stay on top of any noticed rules or adopted rules. So uh, hopefully that'll be a useful tool uh, to stay uh, sort of current on all the things that are in the process, because I know it can be hard to track sometimes, mm -hmm. unless you're a loyal listener to the podcast, <laughs> in which case you're uh, very much in the know. But um, if you need any more information on that or uh, want to subscribe to the, the Law and Information Resource Center, please don't hesitate to reach out to IPA as well. Thank you to everyone for listening. And thanks again to you, Sue, for joining us today. No problem. Thank you.